From West to East and Kingdom to Kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to episode 252 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian, Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host and good friend, John Sakari. John, how are you today? Excellent, and glad to be here. Thank you, Michael. Oh, good, good. Well, I'm glad you're here, too. As we all know, 2023 marks the 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company, and this year is filled with many special events to commemorate this milestone. So far, there have been two highlights for me. The Disney 100 Years of Wonder exhibition currently at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia that I saw a couple of weeks ago, and the book, The Story of Disney 100 Years of Wonder. So joining us today is Becky Klein, director of the Walt Disney Archives, and Bruce Steele, editor-in-chief of the D23 magazine and co-author of The Story of Disney 100 Years of Wonder. Becky and Bruce, welcome to Connecting with Walt. Thank you so much for having us. It's good to oh, be here. I, it, I am delighted. And I know our our audience, who are uber Disney historians, are going to be thrilled with this, too. Well, was, we, we were talking before, you know, what what company has their own fan club and has a following? I mean, there's no other company that really, for me, because I grew up with Walt, watching him every Sunday. Really, the Walt Walt and those who created his legacy really defined childhood for generations. And with so much history to cover about Walt and his company and those who've worked to create his vision over the last 100 years, what was your process for covering this history in just one exhibition and in one book that really was a reasonable size, Bruce? (laughs) <laughs> where you could have made 12 volumes <laughs> with everything to cover. So what, what was your, how did you get started with well, each of these projects? One, because the exhibit actually started before the, the book did, frankly. Um, the exhibition has been in the works. You know, we knew we had a hundredth anniversary coming up. And as we all know, Disney loves to celebrate anniversaries. So about five or six years ago, I started seriously thinking about, well, what is the company going to do for the hundredth anniversary? And being the person who kind of guided the information coming out of the Walt Disney Archives, I thought, well, the archives needs to get ready for this because this is a big uh, event for us to be part of. And so I started, you know, planning just things like, you know, what kind of things to have ready for people who need information for the 100th. What kind of imagery do we want to make sure is digitized in advance so that we can provide it when it's asked for? Things like that. And so we started thinking at that time, what could the archives do? to support this wonderful anniversary opportunity. And what we thought of, of course, because we'd been working very hard on exhibitions for our exhibitions program has dramatically grown in the last 15 years or so, um, starting with little tiny exhibits here at the studio and then branching out 
to um, the D23 Expo and other, other programs run by D23, helping with exhibitions, and then helping international places like Japan and, and starting to travel some of these exhibits. And so exhibitions has been a big focus for our team for a while now. And the idea of doing a big blockbuster traveling exhibition was something that I kind of thought, well, we should look into doing that. And so about five years ago, we started the process of, of you know, talking to our senior management and getting approval to move forward with it as a project. And four years ago, we put out a, a what we call an RFP. It's a request for proposal from different companies that, uh, as a, for a living, produce, strictly produce uh, these traveling exhibitions. And so about four years ago, we in earnest started looking into the, the logistics of doing this. And then for the last three years or so, we've been working on curating the exhibition. And it was about that time that uh, Disney Publishing came to us and said, we want to do a big coffee table book for the 100th anniversary and ask the archives to participate and to help with it. And that's when they reached out to Bruce. And Bruce, I'll let you say how that kind of came to be on your end. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I, I think our focus as writers is to was to tell the stories of the Walt Disney Company in a way that unifies everything across the years. So, for example, while we recount some of the most interesting incidents from Walt Disney's life, the idea is to trace like the biographical stories to the subsequent 100 years. So we talk about, say, uh, Walt's service in the Ambulance Corps right after World War One. But we also talk about how that led to his first airplane ride and his lifelong fascination with flight. And that can be seen throughout Disney history and extends and extends well beyond Walt's lifetime. I mean, think of how many parks attractions are based on uh, simulating the experience of flight. Avatar, I mean, so to connect, say, Avatar Flight of Passage with Walt Disney's service in World War I is something that hasn't been done before. And we tried to do that kind of thing all the way through the book. And that was a way of, of focusing on, on some things that showed that continuity and keeping our, the, the length of the book down to a reasonable number of pages. I think I know when I was I've been reading the book and I, I thought of that line from Mark Twain, I would have written less if I had more time. And I think you did such a wonderful job of um, capturing the history of the company in in that book. I mean, you and, and your, your co-authors, I mean, really impressive where it's not overwhelming. It's easy for all ages, I think, to read and enjoy. And now much of the history of the company has been covered in other exhibition and other Disney publications. Like, you know, I've gone to every D23 event. I, I'm the Walt Disney family museum is my, excuse me, my second home. And I, so I went into this exhibit thinking, oh, you know, it's going to be the same old, same old. It is not. If, if people have been to, you know, to, everything like I have, or if they, you know, I have rooms filled with Disney history books. These are both completely different. These both hold things and content that Disney fans have never seen before. So how did you approach it to make this, both of what you worked on fresh and new for Disney fans? Well, um, when we started conceiving the exhibit, that was one of the first things we do is come up with a curatorial objective. It's like, what is the, you know, how are we going to structure this exhibit? And 
I immediately, you know, the first thing that springs to mind is a chronological telling of the history of the Walt Disney Company. You know, so you know, Walt started here, he did this, he did that, then we did this, and then we did this, and we did this, and isn't it great? And that is a way of telling our story, but it's not very compelling, and it's not, um, it's not very exciting. You know, it's just it's a it's a retelling of what's happened more than why and what's special about Disney. And so we took another look at it and kind of came around to another uh, way of saying, you know, what is it that's special about Disney? And what do we do that is different than what everybody else does? And why do we do what we do? And what we discovered is that it all goes back to the same foundation, which is Walt Disney himself and the way he did things, you know, starting with experimentation and the importance of storytelling. He always told these amazing stories in new and innovative ways. And the characters that he developed in, you know, course the beginnings of the company was animation and so but he did great things like uh, creating personality and animation and why that was so important and that was so important to Walt that he wanted all of his characters to have individual personalities so that people would feel for them and so they wouldn't just laugh at how silly that character is when he falls off a cliff but that that they can see that the character thinking and and feeling on camera and in turn they feel that and, and that and uh, you know appreciate the thoughts that are going on it's just it's you know it's paint on on plastic frankly you know it's being filmed it's all you know uh, something that is is not normally emotive <laughs> and yet you feel for these characters and you fall in love with these characters and you hate these characters and you you know you feel real emotions and that was that came all from Walt and so it was it was his foundation philosophies of storytelling and personality and animation and then, you know, we go, wanted to represent the live action, you know, uh, films that Walt made. And that was most of those early films that he did were all about discovery and adventure and, and, you know, excitement. And so we thought, well, we'll do a gallery that's about live action film with those kind of uh, exciting stories. We wanted to focus on music because Disney music is so important to the company. And, um, of course, the world around us, which was something we, we looked at Walt as a naturalist, you know, with the true life adventures and how he displayed and portrayed nature in the animation films but also in his theme parks and and you know all of the amazing ways that walt looked at the world and his um ability to share his thoughts with the public with through being on national wildlife week and things like that and his uh, ability to to win people over to his point with conservation messages so that was really important of course we wanted to show Walt as an innovator and his interventions and we saw all these different things. So we kind of picked out and parsed out Walt's philosophies. And then we built upon those. And the really cool thing about it, and I think Bruce will probably agree with this, is that when you separate it into thematic stories like that, you can start with Walt's earliest silent movies and go up to today's most incredible new products that are coming out in our new programs and, and films. And so we were able to tell stories in each gallery that were kind of timeless. And it, it was helpful because this exhibit has to be, it's, it's to be meant to be viewed by all ages and all backgrounds and all cultures. And we're traveling it around the world. So it's going to, it needs to be appealing in Europe and Asia and South America and, and the Middle East. It has to be accessible by everyone. And trying to create an exhibition in 10 galleries that appeals to every age group and every background was tricky. It was very tricky. But I think there's something that people will relate to in every gallery and that, that, you know, we want to show the things that people love and remember fondly. So that was our goal, was to create an exhibition that did that. 
And then when we decided to do the book, then I pitched the idea to, to the Disney publishing folks and Bruce and, and John and said, look, why don't we, you know, follow that script? You know, that's a, that it, it's working with the exhibition and I think it's telling a great story. Why don't you make your chapters, you know, to follow along with what we're doing in the, in the book. And it was pretty exciting for me because it gave us an opportunity to tell the stories that we didn't have room for in the exhibition. Well, that's what I was going to comment. Yeah, that's what I was going to comment on with Bruce is I'm going through the book. I'm realizing, okay, Bruce, you have things in the book and images that are not in the exhibition. So how, what was your process? How did you choose um, to add things and, and that, that you chose different images? What was the process there? Well, I mean, for the most part, the book is a direct, as, as Becky points out, a direct reflection of the organization and the content of the exhibit. And you know, our, our 10 chapters have the same titles as the mm-hmm. uh, exhibition's galleries. So the structure was there. Um, but but the book is, is a companion to the exhibit, not a carbon copy of it. So it was always our intent to include a lot of history and artifacts and images in the book that didn't make it into the exhibition. Now, while we started with the exhibition in, in, in every case, and uh, for example, the uh, the characters, the illusion of life chapter about development of characters focuses on uh, some of the same characters that are portrayed in the exhibition. Um, but we wanted to, but it, it includes so many other characters that are not in the exhibition. So it was it was always our intent to include a lot of uh, uh, of things that would sort of expand the experience. It's like we're saying to the, the guests who visit the exhibition: if you like this and you want to learn more. Here's a deeper dive into that history with more stories and more examples. And, and there are things that you know, we cannot duplicate in print, you, you know, like the, the 10th gallery, which focuses on, on current and future experiences. So we had to deviate a little bit uh, in some cases, but uh, while a uh, gallery can be updated and, and the book can't be, but, uh, but the current state of Disney storytelling and innovation that we cover in that chapter suggests some of the ways to imagine the future and offer sort of a more thematic look at the future than guests might get from the exhibition. So we we start with the exhibition and then we try and take go as many uh, other different directions as as makes sense within the confines or, or within the the philosophies that were started with in the first place. Mm-hmm. A, and I'll give you a shameless plug too. There is a companion catalog for the exhibition, which right. is separate, which features all the assets and gives you some more background information. It has some great uh essays and things that we had written specifically for the catalog but it has a catalog that the book was meant to be something different it's just structured the same way as Bruce said right oh good okay they didn't have the catalog when I was there they didn't but I have one right here okay <laughs> yes so well, you'll hope... be able to get it soon at the Franklin Institute and soon in Munich Germany okay will I be able to order it will guests be who already went be able to order it online I have not found that out yet. I've asked that question myself, but okay. uh, hopefully. I'll keep my, keep my fingers crossed in there. But but I bought a lot of a lot of other merchandise with that logo because I went with listeners to the show, and we love the logo. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> I do, too. Now, you, you mentioned that the, the exhibition is meant for all ages. And I think one of – and I noticed there were a lot of, you know, there were school groups there. There were um, there were moms who it was outing day for their preschoolers. Mm-hmm. They were taking them there. And a couple of the hits there is that the exhibition is not passive. 
there are a lot of fascinating interactive elements in there. And I would think that's a challenge when you, when you're setting this up. Okay. This is going to be, we're just going to view these things, but here's where there's an opportunity for some interactive experiences to highlight this era uh, of, of the company. How, um, how did you make those determinations? And some, I would never have thought of those little puzzle boxes that then lights up a little treasure or something. I mean, really fascinating. Well, it was, it was kind of tricky. It's, it's building and designing an exhibition. There's a lot of things you have to think about that most people don't see when they're going through an exhibition, but you have to think about a lot of things. And one of them was throughput. How many people can you get through? And you don't want people backing up, the the works when you've got a really fun interactive. So we wanted to make sure that we had plenty of interactives so that people could stop and enjoy themselves and learn something or be entertained, but not hold up the flow of the entire exhibition. So that was tricky. But what we did is we ended up putting in 14 interactives. Um, Some are much larger than others. Some of them are very technically complicated and some of them are very simple, like the little boxes. But we decided what we wanted to do was create some that would be uh, of interest to all different people, all different ages. So there's some very simple ones like, you know, you flip over the color card to see which character those colors represent. Something very simple that little ones can do or the the boxes where you solve a little mechanical puzzle and, and it lights up and shows you a really fun asset. So those are the simpler things that we have in the exhibit. But then there's some very deep um tables where we show you you can learn about all the parks all around the world Mm -hmm. in one gallery or a a character animation table where you can pick out of 10 characters you can pick one and and find out all fun facts and model sheets and all kinds of fun art Um, one of my favorites in the exhibition is um, in the storytelling gallery we have a sleeping beauty book on display and the book has been shown before and we've even shown some of the pages from inside the book in some of our exhibitions but you've never had the opportunity to turn the pages of the book. And there's so much gorgeous art in there. And we thought, well, what do we want to do? So we're showing the book and you can see it in a case, like a traditional museum exhibit. But our partners uh, who built the, the uh, technology for the exhibit created this wonderful little thing where you can actually turn the pages of, of a, a mock-up of the book. And it projects it up on a screen above you. And then they animated little portions of the imagery. So you can yes. see the birds flying or you can see you know the 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 uh, trumpeters are blowing their trumpet and you can see the wind blowing the flags and things and it's really fun because then a group of people can stand and watch um, this page and and it you know there's some some really wonderful things like that there's also some really great music interactives in multiple languages there's three different uh, language reels and and um, activities that you can do in the mu- uh, the, the uh, music section so there's a lot of really fun activities and, and it spreads it out throughout the entire exhibition so that, you know, you, if you missed one, there's plenty more. <laughs> that book was one of my favorites. I just thought it was dazzling. And of course, I'm trying to figure out how did they do this? <laughs> and, and those color cards, I didn't get one right. I, I can't tell you how much time I spent. <laughs> figure trying to figure out this. harder than we anticipated, but yeah, <laughs> it was well, probably the little ones got it, but the hit, with the children, the wall of maquettes. Oh yeah, they love those pointing out their favorite characters, mm-hmm. and then the parents pick, showing their favorite characters and Absolutely. telling their children about them. and And then you had some characters we don't see often mm-hmm. in there, which was a lot of fun. 
that was also a huge challenge is how do you represent the vast storytelling of the Walt Disney Company? How many can we have hundreds and hundreds and thousands of characters? And how do you narrow it down? And what do you leave out? That was the hardest part. So what we tried to do, we tried very, very hard to go through our library of, of iconic, you know, stuff and look at it and say, well, if we don't have, you know, a, an asset from this film to showcase in this exhibition, at least we have a little clip from it in one of the scrapbooks, or we've got a, a clip from that film in the opening prologue when you walk in, you know, and so we tried really hard to look at, at it holistically and say, you know, but well, we haven't represented this movie at all. Where can we, where can we at least put a little touch of that film in? And, and I think we, we did as, as well as anybody possibly could, I think to represent a hundred years of something as, as big as Disney. I agree. I absolutely agree. Now, one of the things that was probably is going to be the most surprising to people is that when you enter, of course we see Sorcerer Mickey, my favorite character there, but Walt himself then makes an appearance mm -hmm. and welcomes us to the exhibition. And this is not just one of the, um, a film of Walt that we've seen maybe on television or at the Walt Disney Family Museum or something. This is unique. Can you tell us the story behind it, behind yeah. Walt appearing to us? Well, you know, when we decided that we wanted to tell Walt's story and, and the legacy of the company and how it was created by Walt's philosophies, of course, the thought was, well, we'd love to have it hosted by Walt, but how do we do that? And we were very fortunate in that we have some really wonderful technology wizards here at the studio, uh, the Disney studio, we call the Studio Lab. It's a group that do a lot of research and development on new techniques and, and they, they're amazing. And so we have partners here at the company with some great people like ILM and they, they worked with us on it. And what we were able to do was to take uh, audio from Walt Disney's speeches and, and marry a couple of his, his speeches together to make one longer speech, kind of how we did with Mr. Lincoln at, at uh, the great, great moments of Mr. Lincoln. They took little snippets of, of some of his uh, great speeches. And so we put it together for Walt. There's two pieces there and then equalized it, made it all sound like one speech. And then I went through art of, through, through all of this wonderful AI technology that Lucasfilm can do. We were able to, um, to put Walt's face onto this, this uh, person, <laughs> the character and, use his actual footage as reference. So it's very authentic as far as that goes. It's using AI technology, but it's all based on reality. It's all based on things that Walt Disney had done uh, in the past. And so I think it's pretty representative of what Walt would have looked like had he been saying those things to us. And mm -hmm. they're certainly his sentiments. And then we dressed it up and made it Disney magic stage and put some special effects in like, uh, you know, uh, magic dust and and we the the piece with Mickey Mouse you mentioned the sorcerer Mickey is actually a piece of color footage from uh, the Mickey Mouse Club mm -hmm. that was never used because it aired in black and white of course originally and uh, so that's a very rare piece of footage and so we we brought that in and used a Mickey Mouse Club piece that uh, we have him making Walt appear and, and then Walt inviting you in to see the rest of the exhibition so it was a dream come true for me because I thought how in the world are we ever going to have Walt there. Uh, hosting this exhibition, but we managed to do it through the magic of Disney Studios and ILM. It was very clever because I I watched it a few times because I went in very I was a skeptic. <laughs> I I'd shared it with John before we went, yeah. and then um, saying okay, I'm going into this. 
And because, you know, I, I, I had met Walt when I was a little boy and I, you know, so I, I have this notion in my head, but I, I videoed it. And then my test was, then I, I then went and visited my son and his family who live in Pennsylvania. And I showed it to my granddaughter who the Disney gene jump. My kids aren't Disney fans and my granddaughter is. So, so I said, okay, I want to, I want to get, she's 13. I said, I want to get a younger person's opinion. I said, because, you know, I'm old and I, I, and so I want to get yours. And I said, what do you think of this? And she's seen film of, of Walt. She's been to the Walt Disney Family Museum and stuff. And, um, and so I showed it to her. She said, that is cool. (laughs) So I thought, okay, this resonates with the younger generation who never met Walt. Right. And, you know, we wanted to be as completely respectful as possible. You know, when you're when you're doing something with technology, you always have that fear that you want it to be as accurate as possible and you want it to be respectful and reverent. And I think we I think we managed to do that. That was our goal anyway. And, and I think I was very pleased with how it turned out. And and I feel like it really pays. It's an homage to Walt and it's a kind of a love letter to Walt Disney, frankly. <laughs> Now, now, Bruce, when you were choosing images for the book, I just imagine you went into the, I have this image of you going into the archives and just going through boxes and boxes and boxes of photos and all that. So, so what really happens when you're writing a book and you're looking for companion images? Well, the book was a team effort. So the we as writers did not have to go and look for the photographs to go with it. That We left that to it. Our co-authors at the archives and uh, our wonderful designer Winnie Ho, who who uh, worked with the photo editors and the the photo archivists, and uh, I mean the nice thing was they were working from our text. So if we pulled in uh, stories about Main Street USA or or you know Pirates of the Caribbean or Lilo and Stitch or whatever, they would find these really cool things to go with it. So. How they did it is, I, I have to put it down to Disney magic, but you're probably right. It's probably a lot of, <laughs> a lot of uh, arch- searching through boxes and, and searching through online archives and, and looking for just that right piece of art that it is not the most obvious thing, is not the thing that people have seen a hundred times. So, well, it's, it's a, it, it, they did a great job. In regards to what Bruce was saying, that was the contribution of the Walt Disney Archives. Not only did we fact check and proofread everything, as we do for almost every book that comes out, but our our staff of archivists and historians actually supported uh, Bruce and Disney uh, Disney Editions by doing that that work with them. So that was our contribution to creating the book. So um, that's why they gave us credit as part of the uh, the, the team that created it. Okay. Now, for each of you, is there like um, in your projects, is there like a a crown jewel for you, Becky, at the at the exhibit? And for Bruce, is there like, do you is there a crown jewel for you in your book? So, um, I think folks, the folks who who have heard me speak before have heard this before, but I do have a special little comment about this one. Um, Mary Poppins was the very first film I ever saw as a child. And of course, my first Disney film, because it's my first film ever. And so Mary Poppins has a very, very special place in my heart. And being able to show the the snow globe for Mary Poppins in this exhibit, and we do have it in both uh, versions of the exhibit. There's in the American unit, which is at the Franklin right now, um, that has the snow globe from the original 1964 film, Mary Poppins. 
in the uh, international traveling version that opens in Munich uh, in April, we are are showing the one from Saving Mr. Banks. No, no, I'm sorry, not Saving Mr. Banks. We're showing the one from Mary Poppins Returns, Mm -hmm. which was actually based on the original, which we have in our collection. So they look very much alike. They're supposed to be the same object, but we have both of them in our collection. So one is in each exhibit, which made me very happy that we got to do that. And then the way that that our um, special effects folks at at, uh, Semmel Entertainment were the people that are producing, they produced all the interactivities and all the special uh, technical pieces. Uh, they did something wonderful, and it was their idea. I I just find it brilliant. They took um, made a special effect, and when you're looking at the snow globe in the in the display case, you actually see the birds fly around, and and then they mm-hmm. actually come out of the snow globe and fly around the globe, and then go back in again. And just to be able to see that in front of my eyes, you know, just inches away from my eyes, just made me so happy. And and every time I think of the exhibit, I think of just that that sweet little moment when you see the birds start flying around and it's a very simple effect. It's a pepper's ghost effect, but it's, but it's beautifully done and it's magical. It is. I watched that a couple of times at first. I thought, wait, am I seeing so at first time I saw it in the globe. And then I said, they're leaving the globe. I was, I was amazed. <laughs> so then Bruce, what about you for the book? What is something that's really special to you? Well, I mean, they call it a coffee table book for a reason because I think the the big stunning images they're so beautifully reproduced. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean the words are great. I love my my words. They're my words in part, and that's fine. But what really you know makes me happy is to page through the book and see all these beautiful photos, like the wall of storyboards from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, or that beautiful two page concept painting for Shanghai Disneyland. There's a great photo from behind the scenes of the Mandalorian. I mean, it's all through all through the entirety of Disney history. Um, so, but I think the one thing that we were able to do in the book that maybe you, we couldn't do in the exhibition was really put some things together that and and to see them in a new way. Like for, we often talk about how the Main Street of Marceline, Missouri, in the early 1900s, when Walt was a boy there, inspired Main Street USA at the Disney theme parks. So there, you know, there's one fantastic spread in the book that includes, it's a gorgeous nighttime photo of Main Street USA. And there's also a historic photo of Marceline, Missouri. Okay. So that's, that's not new information, but we also included there a photo of the original buildings from the Walt Disney studio lot. And it's interesting to look at those buildings uh, that were designed and built under the supervision of Walt Disney with the notion that what Walt was trying to do at the studio lot was the same thing he was trying to do at the theme parks, which was create a sense of community. And I think being able to to put those kinds of photographs together in in such a a new way and bring new information and, and new observations uh, to me that's that's the crown jewel of the book. I had never seen that comparison before, and I th- I th- I thought it was brilliant when I, when I saw those photos side by side mm-hmm. with your analysis. I agree with you. I thought that was terrific. So now. Will the exhibit be traveling to other cities in North America? Yes. Um, we, we announced at the D23 Expo, we announced the, the next two cities that we'll be going to. Um, we haven't announced the venues yet, but it is going to be going to Chicago and Kansas City. Um, will be two of the next venues that we go to. Um, right now it's in Philadelphia. And we plan to travel the exhibition for five years. So there'll be a number of other cities that will, will host the exhibition. And then we're opening in Munich, you know, like I said, in April. So uh, this is still March. So when uh, next month in April, 
And then it's traveling from there. It's going to go to London and it'll be in London in the fall. Oh, and right. those are the, the next two for the international. But like I said, both exhibition units will be traveling for the next five years. And so one will tour in North America and uh, the other one will tour in internationally in other continents. Okay. And Bruce, where can our listeners get a copy of your book, Disney, the story of Disney, 100 years of wonder? Well, I mean, I'd like to say, you know, where, wherever books are sold, but uh, in the spirit of Walt Disney and small town community, I hope people will look first at their local bookstores. And you can order it. You can say, I, I will special order from our, we have, we have a local bookstore in our, in our historic area of our town and they'll, they'll special order it for you if it's not on their shelves. And to Bruce's point, please, to your listeners, please go to your local bookstores and ask them to carry Disney books. Let mm-hmm. them know of your interest in Disney titles because there's so many wonderful books that they have to choose from to stock their shelves. And we always try to encourage bookstores to, to carry Disney titles. Yeah. Speaking of other Disney titles, Becky, there's a couple I want to call out. There's a few that, of them this year. That you, oh, oh, is this a good year for Disney books? Oh, my goodness. But there, you've contributed to these. One is, of course, the um, official Walt Disney quote book, which yeah. I just love this. I will just I'll just randomly open it up and just read read the pages in here. And I always find inspiration. This is a terrific book. And then what everybody listening to this show and every Disney fan should have the official biography of Walt. Walt Disney, an American original by Bob Thomas. And um, you've contributed to this as well. Yeah, it's a, both of those books. Um, the quote book was something that the archives has been has compiled in various iterations since the 70s. Um, they're all quotes taken from original source material here in the archives. But um, what we did for this year for the special edition for the 100th is that we went in and we found many, many more quotes. So even if you have a Walt Disney quote book, already on your shelf. This one has a lot more quotes on it that were all things that we researched here in the archives and and added to it, as well as some new photography. And with the Bob Thomas biography, what I love about it is that not only is it Bob's seminal biography, but um, also it has a lot of um, uh, this foreword by Christopher Miller, Walt's grandson, and a whole bunch of other things. So there's some really wonderful additional things. So even if you have the copies of the books, there's there's special things in there. And a there quick, are. There's a, com, a coloring book, too, that the Walt Disney Archives put together with vintage drawings in it that That's is also right. being released this year with those. That's right. And this is not – people always think, oh, it's the official biography. It's a sanitized copy. It is not. Mm-hmm. Bob Thomas, this is the only biographer that had access to the family and access to the archives, access to everything. And he he doesn't pull any punches. No, and he personally this. knew Walt. Yeah. 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 So this is my this is the go-to book on Walt. Well, I want to thank you so much, Becky and Bruce, for taking the time to share, to speak to our Connecting with Walt family about this historic celebration. And thank you <clears throat> for sharing your creativity and talent to keep Walt's legacy alive. Well, that was a terrific time talking with Becky and Bruce. They, it's always, I don't know, it's always so interesting to find out, you know, what goes into planning things, whatever it is, exhibition, writing a book, um, 
you know, it was so kind of them to come on and, and share. Yeah, you very know, giving. And I can back up that you were skeptical before you went. And I was really pleased that you, because it's hard to, I think, you know, somebody like you who's in it so much, I think it's hard to wow you because you know what to expect. But you came back a little wowed. And I liked when you described some things that you saw to Becky. I saw your eyes light up. You really did have a good time at this exhibition. I did. I was really impressed with it. I'm hoping as it travels, it's going to come to California or close by because I would really like to see it again. So. Yeah, I know. I'm. I wish it would come to Florida, even though I know that's selfish. I have Disney World already, but I really do want to see this exhibition. I wonder if they could make it come close to Orlando. You'd think they would, you know, but you never so. know. I don't. So who knows? Because it seems like a lot of the ex, some of the exhibitions, they'll they'll come close to California or come close to Northern California, but never quite make it. You know, so we'll see because it's traveling for five years, so it's. It's going to cover a wow. lot of territory. So, and I was happy your granddaughter liked the live. Uh, what is what they call it? Not a projection hologram. The hologram. Yeah, I think I, I did see it, and you know, to me, I, again, I never met him. By the way, I had no idea that you had met Walt as a as a child. Oh, you don't know my history. I'll have to. No, I have to. I have to go find a show. Heard it, and I always said, "Okay, this is the last time I'm telling this story." (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to go find that show and listen because that's that's pretty amazing. So, okay, but I wanted to share my experience a little more about the about what I saw uh, on some some highlights, some of the things that were there. First of all, it's at the Franklin Institute, which is a beautiful, beautiful building. Do we know how long it's going to be there for? Oh, you know, I did know that, and I, I, I don't recall now. It's there for a few more months, I believe. Okay. So, but it, it's just this gorgeous, you know, with colonnades in the front and all that. And there's a planetarium in there and all kinds of different things. You could spend the whole day there. You'd have no problems with that. And then, you know, I got my tickets in advance. I went with a few listeners. Spencer Wright, who's been on the show before, he's an author. Um, He's, you know, wrote Voices Behind the Magic. I think I brought up that book with you a while back. And a couple of other listeners who are friends um, also came with uh, with me as well. And first of all, to get to the exhibition, th- that building is enormous. And to get to their exhibition space, it's quite a walk <laughs> to really? get there within the museum itself. So, but uh, but when you, whoops, oh, how funny I'm playing my video of Mickey and Walt. But when you get there, yeah, you're greeted, when you finally get there, you're greeted by Walt, Mickey and Walt, as he welcomes you to talks, uh, I think he talks about, you know, sort of the magic and, and creativity, telling the story, things like that. And then when you get in there, and, and at first it starts out pretty much, it starts out chronologically, starts out with being born. There are photographs of his family and of Walt. Although there are a couple I had not seen before, like Walt is sort of a, a Young boy, almost a teenager with a tennis racket, and he was a he was a blondie when he was when he was young, and wow. all that. And then another one of Walt is a young man at a at a, a drafting table drawing, and that that was a photo I'd never seen before. Some of the others I've seen, like the Walt Disney Family Museum, or it exhibits of his parents, or Walt as an infant, and 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 then Walt with his um, with Roy when Roy was entering the Navy, and and. Um, he was in his uniform and Walt's sitting in a chair, looking very adult. 
And so they, it goes through Walt's early career. Uh, you know, when he was making the laughograms, they have his little, um, oh, I want to say, it's not microphone. What do they call it? Uh, hold it up. You know, lights, camera, action. You'd always see oh, the director. Oh, megaphone. 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 You have his little megaphone there that says laughograms. Um, they have, uh, anyway, they, then they go in. And now what we talked about before is uh, uh, these are, they don't have the original pieces of art there. Like Becky was talking about, you know, they digitally copied it and recreated this art. You would never know this is not the original art, but these things are too fragile now to, I, I believe, to transport, you know, everywhere. But they start out with beautiful, beautiful concept art of um, Snow White in there. And um, they have a model of Pinocchio. They actually, it's actually a marionette of Pinocchio that they used as a model when they were, when they were drawing him. And so that's there. And then what's very cool is in the back, they have all these little touches in there. In the back is a, is like a silhouette of Geppetto painting Pinocchio. And, um, and, and so, and you wouldn't really notice these, but then they have, um, they have the suit of, oh gosh, I forget what this was. Let me see. Oh, it was a costume of uh, for Pinocchio. They had a live action reference, and they oh. have it. Somebody was wearing the little costume for Pinocchio, <laughs> and it was, looks nothing like what he wore in the in the film. And then and then they have I, I videotaped that wonderful wonderful Sleeping Beauty book, where where you it's huge first of all, and then you, when you as you open the pages, it's digitally or something projected in front of you, these pages and they're animated, and it's subtle animation. It's like background animation where birds are flying and leaves are blowing, or the um, herald trumpeters are blowing trumpet, and there's music and sound effects. I just was mesmerized by this. It was absolutely amazing and then they have from um my favorite yeah i'm very critical of the live action disney films as i've mentioned many times my absolute favorite that i will watch if i just want to be cheered up or something is the cinderella remake yes, I agree. because and this is what disney needs to do with these remakes they are true to the film itself and the look of the characters and but then they um they add elements they modernized it a little cinderella was was a little more independent but she still falls in love with the prince but they're more equals than yes. maybe in the film and that now the the fairy godmother is not um an older older fairy godmother is in the animated film but she still has a wonderful personality and sort of bumbling a little, maybe a little more in the film. But it's a delightful, delightful film if you haven't and seen Kate, it. And Kate, Kate Blanchett as Lady Tremaine was fantastic. Wasn't she perfect? And the costumes and, were a little modern for that era, but she was fantastic. Talk about evil, evil in this slimy two-faced way i don't know how to describe it and very realistic like like uh -huh. it was all about her daughters and yeah yeah but but they have one of the glass slippers they have the glass slipper the cinderella warlicks remember the theme was butterflies 
Yep. In that. So it has the butterfly. This thing is gorgeous. And the way they have the lights on it, um, it's with it, the rainbow reflections and all, refractions and all that. They That's do great. have a lot of photo ops there for the folks that like to take selfies and all that. So they have um, this, and I didn't bring it up in the interview, but they have a sleeping um life size basically sleeping dopey and there's a little bunny that's sort of sleeping up against him all snuggled and then and then there's like a lounge chair like a chase lounge and he's sleeping at the end of it so you can lay on it and look like you're sleeping with dopey which of course i did that's great (laughs) so i have a photo of that and then they do have the wonderful mary poppins globe and it's not just a globe with the birds. What they have, they also have behind St. Paul's Cathedral that the old bird oh. woman sat in front of. They have like that map work that you see um, there. And then they have, they have um, again, concept art and mat work from Mary Poppins. If you're a Mary Poppins fan, you will not be disappointed. And John, they have the um, carousel horse that Julie Andrews rode. No, yeah, it is gorgeous. It's it's surprisingly large, and I think I read or I saw that for the Munich exhibit, they have the one Dick Van Dyke wore rode in that. Oh, wow, wow. So, but that one doesn't look like it's been restored as much in the photo that I saw as the Mary as as Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins looks pretty pristine. And all of that. And um, it's beautiful. And then they have another, another. then they have some props, some other live action films. Like one I really liked is, um, I I liked, another live action I liked was sort of a, was the Winnie the Pooh one, where Christopher oh. Robin is grown up yes, and has a child. I- and, and Winnie the Pooh goes to look for him. And this is not that blood and honey one. This is no, 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 no. This is, and I thought that was a sweet film, as as, as Christopher name, the Robin guy f- rediscovers. Yes, yes, yes. The Hundred Acre Woods and returns to it with his family, and 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 there's a whole process for that because he has to uh, convince his wife of what's going on here. They have, well, of course, they have the li- the 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 Winnie the Pooh doll that sat in so that they would have line of sight when they were filming. And he's adorable. I'm more of a fan of the original A.A. Milne Winnie the Pooh, not so much the Disney one, but they use the A.A. Milne figures more than the Disney figures in that film. So it's, he's adorable. And then they, then they do have like, um, they have the, from the live action Beauty and the Beast, they have Lumiere. And what is cool is you don't see the details of these really? props in the film because oh. they're moving and they're doing things. The details in him are astonishing. Just what they go, just what the, the it's amazing, just amazing. And it's so nice that you can study these up close. This exhibit. That's one of the treats of an exhibit like this. And then yeah. they have Cogsworth. And Cogsworth is so cool because, again, I miss this in the film because you know his personality. So his whole design of the clock are all these epaulets. Like it's yep. a military uniform. And he oh, has like – he has like cannons on the front of him and then, and swords and flags and spears and then a clock, of course, but a little, but a little um, pocket watch, 
even hanging off of him. It is part of the design in the front. And again, it's just astonishing, the detail in it. And then let's see. Then they did have some interactive, um, uh, uh, the, the models, the maquettes. They, they, they had an interactive area where you could, again, explore um, the, the films they did that were based on books. That was one of the interactive places. You could study a little more about it. There was a panel there and you could choose the, um, there were four stations, they were all the same. And then you could just choose it and then just read more about those films details and all that. But then they have all the maquettes and it was like from the rescuers to, wow. to uh, Pocahontas to um, Mulan, um, the goofy shorts. Um, I'm trying to think Hercules, um, Ratatouille, Pinocchio, Dumbo. Oh, even the, some of the Pixar films like from up and, um, and Toy Story. Oh, even from the Chronicles of Narnia. Really? Because, you know, they had some characters that were more CG characters. So they had them in there. Um, Aladdin, uh, Alice, um, Elsa, and Anna in there from Frozen. Just And the kids just went nuts over these. They loved these. Especially the really little ones. They were like, you know, three, four years old. Could recognize them. Then they had a, a little section on 101 Dalmatians, but it was it was like the clothing designs for all the different Cruellas that oh. they did in all the live action films. So and and of course the original Cruella from the animated film. So that was really interesting. And they showed, you know, making the dress, and then they had the dress from the um the last Cruella film, the more modern one. They had the, the 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 red dress that was on display there, and it was a very impressive dress. I was not a fan of that film, and then they, that one I liked. That one I liked. Yeah, yeah, I I was. I don't like when they 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 take the villains and then show how oh they were misunderstood. Yes. <laughs> they were misunderstood. But they, yeah. in this one, the right the villain is the yeah he was the other lady basically mm-hmm. yeah yeah then from um. They they had a model of Olaf that was from the um, fr- um, Frozen the musical. Oh. When the Broadway musical, when the little girls create Olaf, but they create him out of their um, like their toys, like building blocks for his um, his feet, and then it looks like a little vase or container for his body, and like little drum drums uh, sticks for his hands, and and things like that. And so that was cute. So they, they and they had um, the costume from the Little Mermaid live that was on television a what year or two ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't see it. I have it recorded. But anyway, they had they had um, Ariel's costume there. So she was not wearing clamshells apparently. And then of <laughs> course they had to have uh, they had some costumes from Captain Jack Sparrow and you know the, the all of those. Um, Parts of the Caribbean films, and they have they had like what uh, the prop, the ship in the bottle. Oh, okay, was in there, and then they had um, this. I think was the, the adventure section is in there. They had uh, they had some concept art from Moana in there, uh, and uh, them you know on the boat 
uh, as they're um, traveling to go, you know, on their quest to get, forget what it is they were trying to get the heart or the stone or. Oh, yeah, the, the heart of Tefiti. Yeah, yeah. So they're traveling to, and then the end where she's leading the, she's leading them as they go on a, go sailing and, and exploring. And then they had, they had some concept art from Lilo and Stitch in there. And then they had, and then that, this is the area where they had like these little, they had like these tables and there were these puzzles. You had to figure out, like roll the ball through. (laughs) And it was really simple. So even a little kid could do it. Even I could do it. And then what lit up was the compass of Captain Jack Sparrows would light up oh, in a box next to it. It lit up so that you could see it. Have you seen 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? The film? Many, many, many years ago. It's one of my favorites. They had the um, filming model of the Nautilus. This thing is enormous. It is That's... huge. Because this is before CG. Okay, so, tell me there's um, a rubber octopus attached to it. No, there was not. But because they, <laughs> they have some models at the Walt Disney Family Museum, but they're smaller. This thing is gargantuan. So um, the details, again, in every rivet is in is there. there. And and rust and, and whatever it may be. And, and of course, the giant, the giant porthole uh, of Captain Nemo's that opens up and... Uh, it's amazing. It was a, it was shockingly huge. So um, the details in it. But what was really fun? Oops, I have a video. Is that they had then an interactive porthole, hmm. and every time you pulled the lever, another scene, an underwater scene from a different film would would be displayed. So, um, so it would be like when they were walking underwater in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, then it might be something from Moana, Lilo and Stitch, The Little Mermaid. I mean, think of every water scene that they ever did. It wow. was, it was in there and, and it was just, just a little snippet. So I thought that was very, very creative. And then they, then as part of the adventure, of course, um, did you see the film, The Jungle Cruise? Yes. With the, well, they had, um, I forget who, the, I'm terrible. Craig, Craig always would have to help me with this. The <laughs> actress, the lead actress. Oh, she's it. the, uh, hold on. The heroine. She's, yeah, she's the new Mary Poppins, and I forgot her name. Oh, is she? Oh, okay. Well, she, oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, she, anyway, anyway, it's they Dwayne had, The Rock Johnson. Oh, what's her name? Anyway, her. they have her costume. Oh, I could probably just make this bigger and see. I'm typing. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah, go ahead and Google it. Um, anyway, they have her costume in here that she wore, and then they have a model of one of the um, of one of the ships for the Jungle Cruise when they were creating it, the Congo Queen. Yep. And um, and then they have Emily one- Blunt. Oh, Emily yeah. Blunt. Okay. Well, they have her costume there, and then of course they have a Porg puppet from Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Ah. at him looking looking very surprised as to why am i in here and then of course they had <laughs> they had the little is it b4 what's the little rolling um droid oh bb8 bb8 yeah i like him they i do a, like him they had a bb8 there on display cool. 
and all that, which was cool. And then, of course, they had they had various costumes from Star Wars. They had like a stormtrooper there. They have um, they had lightsaber um, from from it. Uh, and then they had um, they had um, Black Panther costume oh. from Black Panther Wakanda in there. And then they had helmets of the different superheroes on display like they had thor and they i didn't even know all of these they had thor they had the different iron man costume ones um in there they had captain america's shield nice. in there. oh they had loki's um, yes. helmet as well in there and then uh, and it's funny because i'd watched this film on the plane because i need to watch the sequel they enchanted i love that yes. film remember when she makes the dress out of the curtains Yes, yes, yes. They have the dress on display in there. I thought he, you know, for a bachelor, he had very fancy curtains. Very fancy curtains. Must have come with the apartment. (laughs) So, um, and then again, they had just more um, concept art, you know, story sketches from like Snow White and all that. And then they had a big giant Mickey that you could pose with. He almost looked like he was a conductor. And he was big, and and you could pose with him. So that's what I did. And then, and then they had um, again some concept art from Pinocchio, the Gustav. Um, it was like visual development, and they had a whole lot of things about visual development in there. So they had Pinocchio. They had things in the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, oh, they had a mouse guitar from the Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, yes, yes, yes. On display there. And um, anyway, so, and oh, th- then they had um, things that were used to, uh, there was an area where, again, it was like special effects, but how they, the weird little thing, gadgets that they used to create sound. So um, they were all on display in there. They also had, um, again, more costumes like from, did you ever see the, the Broadway version of Lion King? Yep. Isn't it, you know, those costumes are spectacular. Crazy. So they yeah. had costumes on display there, um, like the Simba costume. And, um, and, and that's when they were starting, then they got into the nature aspect of Walt, you know, like the um, True Life Adventure series. Um, that he did. And then, you know, the Disney nature series as well. So they got into all of those films that he did and they had these funny little, like you might see in a zoo, like, like a little fun facts about different animals that they had in there. And I thought, I wonder if this is left over from another <laughs> exhibit. Um, they had, uh, you know, like his, uh, they had a um, Academy award, for 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 that he won for the nature series but they also showed concept art from films that animated films he did that were nature oriented like i love fox and the hound me too and they had some beautiful concept art of like todd and the main fox and all that there were these gorgeous lush backgrounds it sort of reminded me of bambi the uh, wow. the forest backgrounds in there. Anyways. Now the Walt hologram, that was right in the beginning or does that, that come was the very the first thing you saw? Oh, okay. In there. They did then as part of this, they had um, some 
artifacts from when he went to South America, you know, the El Grupo, that, and when they made Saludos Amigos and all oh, that yeah, during yeah. the war. And all that. So they had some photos from that. They had um, the camera that he used to do some filming. You see pictures of him using it. They had uh, the gaucho costume that he wore for one of the events. And then they had some, again, some artwork from it. And the book that's in the beginning of Saludos Amigos that opens up. Yes, yes, yes. They had that book there. I don't think I'd ever seen the book. So that was cool. And then... um, and then my favorite theme park at Walt Disney World, Animal Kingdom, they had concept art for the um, Tree of Life in there. And then, and then, and then it's funny in the concept art. Then they just show animals just sitting around, as if <laughs> you know, like they were just going to roam the park. And and then they then they talked about there were a couple of shorts that I love called Humph- They were the Humphrey the Bear shorts. With oh the, yes! Yep, they showed a segment of the storyboard from one of the shorts when they were doing the Humphrey dance. Pick it and up and doing, put it in the bag. That's bump, right. Bump. That's right. They have the storyboard for that. That's great. That, I remember that I was probably five years old, and my dad was his. My dad laughed out loud because of that cartoon. Yeah, and I remember that. Yeah, then then as you get into again, they, they got in, in the audio animatronics, they showed the head of an audio animatronic figure, and it was a little creepy because the teeth and gums look so real. And then <sighs> and then you see all the inner workings, which I, I look at that and I think, how did they ever come up with this and create this? Because I am not that kind. I, my brain just doesn't think that way. So I always admire people who can work with their hands and can figure out how something works. And I don't understand how you put wires together and to make something move. I don't get Not it. Not at all. Uh, I just admire people who can do that. So anyway, so the, they talked about the creation of like Mr. Lincoln. And then they showed the, um, the, the old style control board for, oh, one of, for like the Lincoln figure. And all the, Is and it like a bunch of discs? It, yeah, it's buttons and little yeah knobs yeah. and and it looks so rudimentary by today's rudimentary, standards. Rudimentary, yep. So, but it was amazing. So they have some. In, they had contraptions like that. They had an audio animatronic hand, you know, without the skin, so that you could see all the components of that. And, it, and it's amazing because you know they have all these little air compressors that go up and down to make the fingers. Oh, it's amazing. And I'm sure that's not what they're called that make them go up. And that's probably like motivators or whatever they Actuators call Actuators or something. Yeah, yeah. But it was a hand from a Pirates of the Caribbean um, figure, you know, in that attraction. Yeah, I, I believe that the animatronics now are done with electric instead of the air, the pneumatic. So mm-hmm. it might be, they can make it even smaller now. Yeah. Like when you see Elsa's arms, they're mm-hmm. so tiny and they're moving around and it's very odd that- it can work the way it does because it, the technology just gets better and better. And I think in the Hall of Presidents, as, as they, you know, we get a new president, they can get more of the subtle facial features Correct. of Correct. the president. And I think that started like with President Obama. Yep. They've been able to do that, which is extraordinary. A little scary, too. Yes, very. Then they had e- even more exposed head from a figure in the Hall of Presidents. Where again, I just can't figure out how all of this. 
How do they work. stuff it all in there? I know. I know. I know. It, it's just so remarkable. So then we were getting into the theme park section, and they had just some wonderful artwork. They had the well, they had the famous Bob Gurr drawing of the two monorails that you've oh, probably yeah, yeah, seen yeah. that are swooping yep. that that sold Walt on that when when they were talking about the monorails and and Walt saw this. He said, "Bob, can you build this?" And he said. Yes, he said, do it. Walt was sold on the photo, on, on the sketch. I wonder if when Bob said yes, he really did know that he could. I think he just said yes and then went home and went, oh, what do I do? <laughs> I don't know. Bob Gurr was pretty He, he was knows what he's pretty doing. brilliant. He was yeah. pretty brilliant. So um but they anyway, they have um they had sketches of like they had a, a of like a locomotive. You know, for the park, they had some of the wonderful Tomorrowland sketches that, like John Hench and Herb Ryman did for, like Walt Disney World, um, uh, uh, a of submarine voyage for um, that was that's at Tokyo Disney, which is very different from all the others. They had the concept art concept art for that because it isn't in water. You think you're in water, right? But right. It's not in water. It's really remarkable. Um, the Tron cycle. They have that for the light run. So they had that artwork in there. And then um, anyway, so they had, it's just amazing. Just amazing. They had some other interactive things about um, talking about the, the making of films, starting with the, the, with animated films. And it was again, a panel, but it looked like it was a table that had paints and brushes and a watercolor cup for cleaning off your your brushes and all that and sketch pencil test pages but it was all where you could just go through and you could look at the first films and learn about them on these displays then there was the new generation and that's you know starting with like Tarzan and and you know Beauty and the Beast you know that the renaissance right, right, right. era and then and then basically Pixar and more of the um, digital animation in in always exploring and innovating <clears throat> so you could learn you know all kinds of stuff about animation in that interactive film they had a model of the a multiplex camera mm. there but if you want to see see it yet you, you can go to the archives they have one on display there at the Walt Disney Studio and at the Walt Disney Family Museum that spans two floors that's how oh, that's the one is. where you, you move something in the background slower or faster than the foreground? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. Yeah. Then then the part of the theme parks, they had the parking pass for Disneyland on July 17th, 1955. Wow. They had Walt's badge there wow. and that he wore. And then they have, of course, the first one of the first ticket books were on display. They had, remember when Walt rides in on the E.P. Ripley, they had a, a giant Mickey Mouse. I have a I actually, in my study right over here, Mickey's looking at me, I have a recreation of that. Well, they have the real one there. Yep. It might still be on Amazon. It went on sale. I got a few of them for Christmas gifts. Oh, good. And then they have, um, you might remember there, we used, Star Tours is there now, but in our Tomorrowland, we had something called the Mighty Microscope. Well, that's really? what we called it. Is adventures through inner space. So you got shrunk uh, down. Yes, yes. To, and well, they had going through the Mighty Microscope, you could see the the automobiles with people in them, so you look like you got shrunk. They had one of the models yes, yes. 
of those in in there. They had oh they had a costume dress from Minnie Mouse for the 50th anniversary of Disneyland. They had an It's a Small World doll there in her gorgeous Alice Davis costume in there. And um, oh, and then of course they had a a, a Matterhorn bobsled. Is a, one of the ride vehicles there, and then and then what Becky had mentioned in her in our interview, they had this huge table where you could learn about. You could select what park you wanted to learn about, and again, there were there was a station on every side, so multiple people could work at this. And then it was like in a half circle, there were all all the parks. Well, listed there were there were little illustrations of each park, and then you could choose which one you want. You could explore the parks, learn all about them, learn about the attractions that were in them, learn about the history of the parks. It was a very clever because they can't have everything about the parks possibly in there. So it was a very clever way to uh, to display that information. And then John a. Uh, uh, a beloved attraction from your fantasy land. They have one of the little demons from Mr. Toad, (laughs) which is in every exhibit now. It's a pitchfork. Yep. With a little pitchfork and he's grinning those, those yellow eyes at you, like you're mine, you know? So they had that. They also had a Peter Pan um, ride vehicle, the boat, the sailing boat. I love that. And then what was cool is, Behind it, they have um, – it, it looked like as if, you know, the, the scene where you're flying over London. They had that displayed behind it. In That's under great. It. So it was really cool. Made a great photo when you did that. And then they had a, they had a model of um, your castle, Cinderella Castle there, the working model. Then they had a big um, giant Goofy there, model of uh, – statue of Goofy. So, again, you could take a selfie with them. So I'm not good at selfies. It's really chock full of stuff. It is. Then they had a whole wall that it was um, it was where they had videos you could listen to. And there was one on, um, it was like different eras. Like there was one with the Mickey Mouse Club and that whole era of all the different films, Pollyanna, you know, like the 1950s yep. and all that. And they had little pictures and things around it, like picture of Haley Mills and, and Disneyland, opening day Disneyland, all the little different tickets you used to have for Disneyland, like riding the railroad and all that, and um, t- the Toys for Tots advertisements from the time. I mean, they had so much memorabilia there. And then they had, um, I feel like I missed one. Then they had one where it was, uh, you know, sort of like the, 70s and 80s were opening of Epcot Center, the Disney catalog, uh, when Indiana <sighs> Jones opened up, um, the Golden Girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the kinds house. of things. So it went through these decades in there. And then they had the 2000s to the um to today. And they had um oh like um high school musical in there the epic mickey ride they had the video some of the video games there um the d23 starting of that they had the cover of the first magazine and um so they had they had a lot of fun stuff in do you there, recall like do you recall anything from the great movie ride by any chance 
I didn't see anything there. Okay. I was curious if they showed that at all. And then we're just getting started. Then the future was they did have a wall. It was Guardians of the Galaxy. And again, there was a little video you could listen to it just talking about that, about the films, things like that. They had um, they had the Ms. Marvel costume there from that film. And then they had, um, oh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, from Peter Pan and Wendy, the film that's coming out. They have okay. Captain Hook's Hook. And then it looks like it is, and then it's a necklace. So, and I don't know who's wearing that necklace. If it's, they they make it for Wendy or if Tinkerbell's wearing it, I'm not sure. And that was pretty much it. It still sounds like a lot. It was a lot. And and there was stuff I skipped over um, in here. So I didn't talk about everything. But it is really a remarkable exhibit. And And they have to move that. Mm-hmm. At some point, that's yeah. just crazy. I know, I know, <sighs> but um, but I'm sure I don't be the you know how to person that has to pack things up. Could you imagine, like the snow globe that's in Mary Poppins? Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? And I mean, anybody can make a mistake. You really have to just be careful. I know, and all the interactive, the, all the technology, they have to pack up as well, and then. Put it back together. Put it so. back together again. I mean, that's it is remarkable. So I don't um, want that job. I do not want that job. <laughs> but boy, I would want the job of being in the archives and just uh, helping to design and display something like that. I would love to I help just, Becky for one hour. Just one I hour. Just think, I want to be Becky's assistant. Yeah. I just think it would be so fascinating. Just the conversations, the discussions. That I love that kind of stuff. Me too. You know, so um, you see how Becky mm-hmm. gets excited just when something is like in front of her. Oh, just yes. to be in the room with a Snow White cell that was used in the production would just freak me out. Mm-hmm. I would love that. Just it really exists. It's there. I'm looking at it. You know? When I was there with Dave Thomas, and you know, and he laid out things that like Mary Blair had created. And all that, and I thought if I sneezed, I might ruin me. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh! And yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing what they have. What I love, though, and I we saw this in the interview that when Becky talks, she still has that excitement and wonder. It's not 100%. like one hundred percent. This is the same old, same old. You know, nope. she's still. Really, you, you, you like you said, you see that glint in her eye. Yeah, she's and, definitely where she's supposed to be. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and but and and but she may and she's professional through and through yeah. about completely. it completely. So um, anyway, so that's the exhibit. So to, if you can get to the exhibition, to Disney One Hundred Years of Wonder, boy, do I recommend it. And do you remember I, how much it was to get in? It was, I think my ticket was like a little over $40. It was a discount because I that's, pre-ordered that's still, it. That's great. But yeah, that's we great. spent hours in there. And, you know, you could spend longer if you wanted to. So, um, but we we spent, we were shocked at what time it was. We It was 9.30 when we went in. And I think it was after lunchtime when we were done. I think it might have been one o'clock, two o'clock or something. And we were shocked we'd been in there that long. Time just flew. By. And they haven't announced the other cities yet. 
Um, she said Kansas City and Chicago. I was hoping maybe others had been in SNX. That's all I've seen on the website. I'm sure they're working out the details now if they haven't already. And they're yeah, just not ready checking. to make the announcements yet. If it's even in Georgia, I would go take a drive from Florida it, just to go see it. It'd be worth it. Absolutely worth yeah. it. So, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I would definitely go again if it was somewhere, if I was in the vicinity somewhere to see it. So, but now it's time for this week in Disney history. John, I think it is your turn to start us out today. I think you're right. And I did not look at yours so that I would purposely be surprised (laughs) and hoping that this isn't the same one as you. But I went for April 5th, 1965. Uh, I think we talked about when the Academy Awards were announced. But on that day, at the 37th Academy Awards, Julie Andrews wins the Oscar for Best Actress for Mary Poppins, which is Becky's favorite film that I did not know. I didn't know that either. And uh, yeah, she she won it that day. There was a couple of other wins, I think, also. Best Song, Chim Chim Cherie, mm-hmm. and Musical Score by the Sherman Brothers. Film Editing, Visual Effects, it won a lot of things. But the uh, Julie Andrews, April 5th, 1965. I know, isn't that great? I mean, yeah, I remember, I told the story, the Sherman Brothers <laughs> go into Walt's office the next day with their Oscars, and they're so proud. They're full of themselves. You know, their buttons are about to pop off their seats. And Walt says, you know, don't let it get to your head. Go back to work. <laughs> now, did Walt have Oscars already at that time for himself? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because they could have just turned it back on him and said, yeah, you either. Oh, well, they knew he was working. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. And that's the one where, remember, she thanked the, I talked about, she thanked the the person who'd made um, uh, My Fair Lady for not casting oh. her as Eliza Doolittle. Yes, yes. So, because that was the film she really wanted to do. Because she'd been, she'd been Eliza Doolittle on stage, and Walt had seen her on stage. You know, because when they were trying to cast Mary Poppins, some other folks at the studio had seen her on stage and said, Walt, you should see her. And, and so he went and saw her. And, That's uh, the best example stage. of when you want something really bad and you don't get it, how sometimes that's still a blessing. That's the best oh, yeah. example of that. Oh, I always believe that, that, you know, when a door is closed, the window's open kind of thing. Things happen that. for a reason. 100%. So, but, well, mine, mine is a little sadder. So on April 2nd, 1967, this is something we talked about. This is... Walt Disney's final introduction on the wonderful world of color television series is aired. So when we talked about this, when we talked about his television series a few episodes back, so Walt had passed less than four months earlier and, but he had filmed, he would film multiple introductions in a week. So he had done that. And so finally in April was his last introduction he had filmed and it was aired. And as we talked about, there will now no longer be a regular host for the remainder of this anthology's run. Of course, as we talked about later, Michael Eisner would host and when it was resurrected and Bob Iger would on occasion. But um, this evening's episode was a salute to Alaska with Ludwig von Drake. 
which seems appropriate because he was on the first episode uh, yes. when Walt moved over to um, NBC. So, Sad. anyway, so but 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 oh, I love that show, that series. That was so much fun. Anyway, well, speaking of, of films and things like that that we've talked about, have you seen the trailer for um, Pixar's Elemental? I think it was released in the last day yes, or so. Yes, and I am ready to give you my thoughts on it when you are ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. For some reason, and I really, really wanted to get behind it and enjoy it, just the trailer. Mm-hmm. It's not – the trailer is not doing it for me. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason, and I don't know, you know, you may love it. I'm, I can't wait to find out. But the trailer, I couldn't connect with the characters. And I felt like they had already done a lot of this with Inside Out. Inside Out being the, you know, the emotions okay. and the feelings. Mm-hmm. I thought the fire people looked a lot like anger. And I just, I felt like they ran out of original stuff and they went with something that they thought could be simple. But I, don't, I could be surprised when the movie comes out. What was your initial thought? You know, it's funny. I had the same feeling. It's just the characters aren't clicking with me. And I want this to work because I yes. am always complaining. I'm tired of sequels, you know, and all I that. Know. Let's do something original and creative. Even though when they've done it lately, Disney Studios and all that, it hasn't been resonating with people. Some of I their agree. more original um films i really want this to be good because i want them to see that yes we don't have to keep going back to the well again we can create something new and it is going to be a hit but yeah and i agree with you it was like it felt like it was a combination to me of inside out and and zootopia for some reason like that scene of the city you know i thought gosh this reminds me of zootopia and I, and I loved Zootopia. I, I don't. And Inside I, Out, I thought was fun. Yeah. First, I, I don't know if it's because they look so non-human, non-animal that I can't connect with them. And maybe the Inside Out people felt more human. I And, and other people I watched it with said the exact same thing. I'd love to hear what the, our audience thinks of it because. Yeah. Well, tell us. They need, tell us Pixar needs a win. Yeah, tell us in in the notes on Facebook or Twitter. What what do you think of it? Because I, I don't know. I might be. Right. And you know, the thing is too. Tra- you know, I've seen good movies with bad trailers. Making a trailer is an art form, and sometimes you know, and, and sometimes I've seen great trailers, and then the film is just oh my gosh. Yep. Everything. Yep. All the good stuff was in the trailer. So it's hard to make a good trailer. And that might be the issue. Maybe. I really hope so. Yeah. You know we're going to see two or three more trailers before oh, yeah. it's out. Yeah, because this is just and, the first one. Right, And we know we're going to see it. <clears throat> Excuse mm-hmm. me. So we'll see. Yeah, because the, the, the trailers for Peter Pan and Wendy and Little Mermaid have not been hits. It's a lot of, lot yeah. of um, it, again, not resonating with audiences. Um, there could be a million reasons for that. So, um, so we'll see, but I, again, that's going back to the well. And I just think, I think people are getting tired of that. Yeah. And so, um, anyway, so keeping my fingers crossed for elemental. Me too. So anyway, well, John, this is our last episode for our sort of winter season. We are taking our April hiatus 
And then we will come back re-energized in May. And you will be back. Yay! Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah, Craig will still be our executive producer behind the scenes. And um, so I'm looking forward to having you back. I think you did a great job stepping in. This Thank you so for much. For the very first time, the show's very different from all the other shows on the Diz Unplugged. And I don't think, I think it's a hard show just to walk into. And and I think you did a great job. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. I it, It's really because of you. I mean, I sit here as a fan also listening and learning. And I take it as a, you know how you level up in a game? Mm-hmm. I feel like every show I have a little bit of a level up because I learn stuff that I didn't know. So it's a great way to learn and still do a job. And as you know, nobody works harder than Craig. I don't know how he's able to juggle all the things he does. Oh, I don't know. So, Cause uh, yeah, I know. Cause I see all the videos that yeah. he's on that he does. I, I have to, I, I do. I have to hand it to him. I could, I could not do what Craig does. I just, yeah. it's just too much. I could do half, half of what Craig does. <laughs> well, well, he might make you do that. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Anyway. So what are you going to do during the hiatus? Do you have any special plans? April 15th, I'm going on the Disney Fantasy, and it's a strange uh, itinerary to Bermuda. So it's nice to go out of Port Canaveral, go to the private island, Castaway Key, and then go to Bermuda. And they stay overnight in Bermuda so that the ship is your hotel. So that's from April 15th to the 23rd. So that's a good chunk of April. Mm -hmm. So this worked out perfect. And then in May, I will be ready to tell you everything. That's great. Oh, did you see how they they announced, I think it was today as of this recording, that big giant of a honker ship that, and when I heard the rumors, I told Craig, you know, there's rumors going around in Germany that this ship that's been sort of scuttled, that Disney's looking at it and Nobody believed me when I kept saying that, and and, And then they did, but it's going to be in Singapore, because it was basically designed, the original shipbuilders designed it for an Asian audience. And, and Pete said it's got to be ported in Asia. He, I remember him saying that. Yep. And sure enough, there it is. Would you go to Singapore to, in order to <sighs> go on a new ship, Disney ship? So, so here's what's funny about that. I don't like flying, and I wouldn't do it for the locales, which is terrible. You would think I would want to go see Singapore. If the ship is special enough, that would give me the mm-hmm. motivation to get on the plane and go see the ports as opposed to the opposite way around, just because I don't want to fly that far. But if the ship is something amazing and you can only see see it, then I would look for a reason to go and enjoy these ports of call. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, th- those ports of call haven't been my top ones to see, but but I don't mind seeing a place I haven't been to. But um, yeah, if the ship is amazing, because I'm not sure what they mean by an Asian audience. I don't know what it is they Look right. Because I, I mean, because what I heard is, is an Asian audience would expect casinos. Well, oh. you're not going to have casinos on a Disney Cruise Line ship. Oh, no. I wonder if they just make the okay for just in Asia. I don't know. Because you know that ship already had a casino area. Mm-hmm. And it know, wasn't uh, just slated. a casino. It was, a, like you said, a casino area. It was huge. So who knows? So, I wonder if. I don't know. But right, I don't know how far along they were in actually building it. Right. So um, I, w- I would think that with a casino, they couldn't call it Disney Cruise Line. They'd have to call it, you know, Disney Cruise Line version 2.0 or give it another name. Kind of like uh, Touchstone instead of Disney. 
you know, like a different branding maybe. Who knows? Yeah, or I don't know. Or maybe they have um, <clears throat> excursions to casinos or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, if the ship – I'm very curious what they're going to do with this ship. I don't like big ships <laughs> like that's that, and that's huge. So. I think it could have fit 6,000, but they're going yes. to keep it at 4,000, which is still a lot of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's double what these other ships are. Yeah, that's the way a lot of other cruise lines are going now. They're going to these big, big ships, and I don't like the big, big ships. Yeah, it becomes so. overwhelming, and, and you become a number. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm during April, I'm going after Easter, I'm going to um, fly out to Alani. For a week. Oh, oh. Yeah, so You've been there before. To, I have. Carol and I went there before. And we had just such, it was like the perfect vacation. It was wonderful. And I'm a little, so I'm going with friends. And I'm a little apprehensive about going because I thought it was such a magical time with Carol. And I, you know, I'm a little worried about, can I make this different? <sighs> Yeah, what's it going to be like going to the same places where we had, I have so many strong, wonderful memories, and she's not going to be there? I don't know if I've done anything like, that. like I've been to Disneyland and Walt Disney World, been to a lot of places where we've been together, but that trip was so unique. If there was something about it that was different from anything else we did, my guess is that you're going to have your breakdown moments where mm-hmm. you remember. But you're also going to make new memories and be wonderful with that. <clears throat> but that doesn't negate the wonderful time that you had. And it's good to remember if you can keep it together. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad we're, I'm going with friends that were really good friends of ours who, um, you know, who you may have met actually, but because they, they've come on Disney, uh, Diz, you know, um, cruises and things in the past. And that's how we got to know them. But um, so I'm glad I'm going with, others and so anyway so it should be fun i'm looking forward to it i think they'll keep you busy i think oh yes they will <laughs> so I, I, and they're they're going for two weeks but I, I won't travel during holy week so i'm just going out there for a week but so i know and there'll be times where i'm just going to want to enjoy the resort and then let them go off to flea markets and whatever other things they like to explore and so um just so that i can relax so Beautiful. Anyway, and then um, I want to work in my garden because I sort of neglected it because it's really hard because I work during the week. And then on the weekend, I work on the show. And then in the evenings, it's a lot of times when I'm doing my reading for the show and stuff. So I really want to get out in my garden. And so I'm going to do that. And then there's a couple of um, episodes that need that are going to take some extra work. So I'll start working on those during the hiatus, too. I want to get back to our Epcot series. In the Ooh, next, exciting. And all that. So I think it's The Land is the next one. There's oh, a lot, lot of history on that one. So anyway, so, well, I, and I hope you have a wonderful time. I'm looking forward to hearing about that trip to Bermuda. So, and I can't um, wait to hear about Hawaii. So, yeah, so we'll have to share notes when we get back. Absolutely. And uh, to all our listeners, thank you for hanging out with us this this season. And um, be, listen to, you know, listen, go back and listen to some of our archived episodes that maybe 
maybe I've forgotten we created because <laughs> it's been so long. I listened to some of those Disneyland episodes. And, um, but if for those who celebrate Passover and Easter, I hope you have a joyous and blessed um, Passover and Easter celebration. And John, until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? Bigfatpanda.com. Excuse my voice today. <clears throat> Goes to my YouTube channel. Otherwise, you can find me here on the Diz Unplugged uh, DCL fan, DVC fan on YouTube. And you can send me messages at Michael Bowling mm-hmm. at DisneyInfo.com. Twitter, I'm at MBowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling Connecting with Walt. Instagram, I'm Michael Bowling the Diz. And you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter at, and John too, on Twitter at Connecting Walt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers in Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for our Disney history episodes on the link Craig includes in our show notes or disneyplug.com and look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Pandora, and Amazon podcasts, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings when possible. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. Roy.